Japanese song. Yeah. Wasting away in Diarrheaville. You mix those stories, Looking but I saw like both those pillar of Pepto Bismol. I, I saw both those stories like next to next to each other. So I thought like Jimmy Buffett died on a plane from like shitting himself. <laughs> Jimmy which Buffett I thought shit was himself intense, to death. But... Yeah, like <laughs> Jimmy Buffett died of dysentery. <laughs> uh, listen. If there was a way for him to go, it would be Montezuma's resent- revenge. So, I mean, like, come on. Montezuma's resentment. <laughs> That's very funny. I like that. Oh. Um, well, anyway, first uh, and foremost. Right. Rest in peace you know, to Jimmy Buffett. Rest in peace to a real one. You know, a a working class hero, a man who made Americans fat and lazy and ready for the weekend so they could stuff themselves filled with full of alcohol and burgers and just resent Mondays. <laughs> I, I know. Did you see he, that, uh, that Richard, that Richard Henneman and, and Hanna-Barbera tweet? Yeah, Richard Hamana Hamana Hamana. Yeah, the guy who used to be a Nazi and isn't a Nazi anymore, but is still kind of a Nazi. You mean like just he stopped being a white supremacist because he was able to hide it in like academic writing instead? Yeah, sure. He got like the Berkeley cosign. All of a sudden, he's good. <laughs> yeah, you get published by like one or two academic papers, and all of a sudden, like they can overlook the fact that you were just like the most like blatant racist ever. Yeah, the guy who was just like one step short of measuring skulls. Anyway. That guy's a freak. <laughs> yeah, he's a freak. Um, but he had a hell of a take on Jimmy Buffett, which is yeah, that was really, really funny. He was, and it was really like one step removed from work sets you free. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, that was the that was the crazy thing about it too, because he just like talked about how like Jimmy Buffett like like took away what actually makes America good, which is you know work, your job. The yeah, thing that everybody loves. The, yeah, the place where probably violence happens the most in most people's lives. Yeah. Anyway, um, live from the dick sucking factory, it's Brigham Young Money. <laughs> you've got Put, Jordan. Putting in another shift. You've got Jordan. You've got Greg. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Kyle was compromised to a permanent end at Burning Man. He got he, a bad uh, batch of acid and just, you know. <laughs> kind of wandered off and we haven't really f- seen him lately um last time i saw him he was bleeding from the eyeballs yeah anyway i mean jordan and i were able to get out jordan has a lot of experience of just hoofing it in the desert and so he and i were able to to hang out with diplo and chris rock and find our way out of uh <laughs> find our way out of burning man so we're back it's another episode another week of Brigham Young. We do money. not have Ebola, just to let everyone know. No, we do not. Uh, I did check, though. I mean, the coughs that I've been having are totally normal. They're just allergies. The blood coming out of all of my orifices is, is completely normal. So, Listen, I'm a former smoker. It's going to happen. I, I still can't believe Brace somehow got that to happen by just <laughs> posting extra hard. <laughs> posting it into fruition. Uh, a true... <laughs> A true online warrior. I mean, that's how things pass nowadays. Like, you have to have that, like, you have to have, like, that cross-contamination of social media things, too. Because if you just have it on Twitter, like, 
within like an hour be like yeah sure whatever that's just horseshit but if you somehow able to like cross it over like through osmosis into like tiktok or something yeah you you've made it i love it it's hilarious give me give me all of it um anyway lots of freaks at burning man especially like that nestle lawyer who was like oh the child the child (laughs) slavery lawyer yes the the guy who said it was okay to have child slaves yeah uh not not for personal use but for corporate use just you know don't want anyone to think he's a sicko or anything the crumblefication of the american economy and he's the guy too that said like you know what in order to hike out of there too you have to put plastic bags around your feet and then put socks and shoes over that i'm going to tell you as someone who has done a lot of hoofing and and boots and all that too you don't want to do that yeah that sounds like blisters just waiting to happen yeah not just blisters too like that's a good way to get yourself trench foot yeah gross yeah great stuff anyway i can't wait till we we get all of like just the oregon trail style uh maladies coming back from burning man you know those uh those environmental protesters sure seem like they're on the right side of history with all this shit yeah i did see a really funny tweet and i should probably find it uh so that i can credit the guy but he was like we really need to rescue all of these uh libertarian Bernie man types from their tents so they can, can go back to Silicon Valley and wage war against people in tent cities. <laughs> Listen, they lived in the tent for like four days. All right. They know what it's like. They know what it's like. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, I guess next up on the list we do since, you know, this is a Utah based podcast. We need to, and it is officially September. We have, just to, you know, we are at the tail end of summer now. I hope everybody enjoyed their Labor Day. I know that I did. Um, but moving into the month of September, we have to wish all of you a very heartfelt, happy Constitution Month. When did this and, become a thing? Uh, like the other day. Americans have celebrated the 4th of July to commemorate the signing of the Declaration of Independence for centuries, but the nation's founding document, the Constitution, wasn't ratified for more than a decade following the original Independence Day. That wasn't a founding document. The Articles of Confederation were a founding document. Then they realized it sucked shit and did another turn. What the fuck are we talking about? Well... Allow me to explain. Thanks to a law signed earlier this year by Governor Spencer Cox, Utah will now celebrate the U.S. Constitution each September during American Founders and Constitution Month. And students are invited to celebrate Constitution Day by learning about and reading directly from the founding document each September 17th on the anniversary of the creation of the Constitution in 1787. And I think my favorite thing on the on the portion that says black people are three fifths of a human being because I'll, yeah. I'll take that one yeah the thing that i also found really funny was um of course spencer cox's big rise to fame and like you know despite it being a complete just an utter disaster but the thing he was able to kind of pin his resume on uh while running for governor was operation rio grande you know And which just, again, it was just, it was the equivalent of a city stepping on an anthill and then watching all of the ants just scatter and not actually, not actually like fixing the problem or really doing anything other than like displacing more people from the one place that they actually had. It was just throwing water on a grease fire. That's all it was. 
But it was the irony in the statement, of course, and I understand irony and, you know, pointing out uh, Republican hypocrisy is futile, but it's still, you know, it's good fodder and we're going to talk about it because his big thing is he was talking about the uh, opportunity that all men are created equal under the Constitution, which, you, get you know, a choice. again, which some exclusions apply, especially if you're poor <laughs> or, you know, not white or trans or anything other than like basically a, a cis white person in this country. Well, I mean, like it really just also speaks to the fact that like Republicans in particular love to fetishize and deify the constitution, despite like a pretty open contempt for the first, they hate it. fourth, fifth, sixth, ninth and 14th amendments. Yeah. Also Very 19th. Funny. We can throw that one in there too, because there's been a lot of them just goes there. Like we need to repeal women's vote. Yeah. And again, uh, tinfoil hat guy here. Uh, but this along with like the agree or disagree better thing, it all just feels like conditioning, you know, at a time where <laughs> American Institute or trust in American institutions is at an all time low. Now we're going to beat people over the head with the Constitution and do whatever hoorah bullshit we can to try to like get people excited about some document that was uh, signed 3,000 years ago. The Constitution works so well. We made it a good 80 years before a civil war. Uh huh. <laughs> Amen, brother. Anyway, what else do we got on the docket? Uh,. I should probably care more about the district two special election, but uh, oh, because it. because I live in the the district, but man, I just can't get anywhere close to giving a shit. Well, it's kind of interesting because you see like Becky Edwards and all that too, and she was like the moderates and liberals' choice in like Republican primaries. Boom, and boom. <laughs> she, she had a great lead to begin the night and it just kind of slowly faded away but like it's it's the thing that i saw through most of this is it's all just cope like it, it really is, is and, and i get it too because like you don't want to feel powerless in this in like your in your in your political environment like that's why people feel like they just have to keep doing these things over and over again they just have to keep running into that brick wall because like it, it's hard to accept that like your political ideology, especially in a place like Utah, is in hell. Like it's it's down mm -hmm. there, and the only way that you actually forced your way out is you have to crawl out of hell one inch at a time. And the Utah Democrat Democratic Party has a reputation that is just completely just toxic at this point. Like the brand is toxic. Yeah, I mean, I tweeted it out today about the Democratic Party because, you know, our friend Angela, friend of the show, has been on the pod before. Um, <clears throat> she she pointed out how the Democratic Party in the state loves to just prop up uh, like really milquetoast liberals are just outright Republicans. And in this case, the like the darling candidate was Becky Edwards because it was just like, I guess, the lesser of two evils. And it, it blows my mind that in a state that Bernie Sanders won overwhelmingly in both 2016 and 2020, continue on this path where like, you know, it, it seemed like when Ben McAdams bare, barely, I mean, by a nut hair, 
squeaked by Mia Love. Somehow that gave them like the the validation, the legitimacy they needed to continue propping up just the absolute most dog shit centrist or like outright Republican candidates as you know as possible. Like it's not gonna work. It didn't work with Huntsman, it didn't work with Edwards, it's not gonna work moving forward. So like at what point can we just let sleeping dogs lie? I don't think it's just like letting sleeping dogs lie. It's it's work in the other direction too. I mean, mm-hmm. and you're right. Amen we, to that. Yeah. We've run nothing but like milk toast conservatives and all that when it comes to like house seats and all that too. Like most of them have just been running on like, hey, I'm pretty conservative too. As a matter of fact, like Kathleen Reeb, the person who's running in that race against like against I guess Salise Malloy or whatever her name is, I can't remember it, but like she's running on a very like moderate platform as well too of like my family we're all cops and also we need to um cut like we need to do uh entitlement reform you know yeah those programs that literally everyone loves like that that's what's going to win um a house seat in utah is a democrat right. running against social security and medicare and medicaid and again like i said in the slack if you are a democrat running against entitlement reform you're lost cause. you're a republican yeah you're a Republican. And and like that's the thing that's just like it's it's always gotta be short term stuff, which and that's why I like the humans against Mike Lee stuff burned out. Right. This is why Becky Edwards two campaigns burned out. This Again, is why another perfect example of like milk toast, you know, or like outright conservative that all the Democrats were yeah. uh rallying around. Evan McMullen. Yeah. That should be case. That should be exhibit A, the perfect case study. This shit doesn't work. You, you Nobody's going to want the the knockoff brand when you can have the real thing. And, and that speaks to the problem, too, is that you have to have a set of ideals and policies that differentiate you from the Republican Party. Right. Because if you run as Republican light, they will not vote for you. And like again, it, why would you why would you want why would you want the knockoff brand, the Kirkland signature, when you can have the real thing at the same price? Yeah, and generally the only thing I saw from like Becky Edwards and this whole thing too is pretty much like she's going to stick it to China, and also we're going to get spending under control. It's like, okay, what else are you running on? It's like, well, mm-hmm. everything else was very tepid, very close to the chest. Like nothing else was coming out from that. So like. To have all these liberals and moderates inside Utah just be like, you know, she's the real choice. She's the good choice. It's like, I don't believe you, especially because like she would have to, if she won this primary and then won the election, she would have to go right back around and go into another primary in 2024. Right. And I can guarantee you like Bruce Howe's not going to be there this time to like shore up the, uh, the, uh, or split the vote between her and another candidate. So, right. Yeah, and at the end of the day, like it's still a Republican, and we know that Republicans vote in unison, or they get the axe. Yeah. So, what are we doing here, guys? Yeah. We gotta, we gotta stop. Like, at some point, we gotta remove the wool from the eyes. It's, it's like I said, like everyone just wants like a quick solution, especially when things are really terrible. I mean, that's right. what we're facing right now, and it's not that simple. Like, you can't just be like, "Well, I'm ready to vote right now," and your choice is fucking Becky Edwards. So like, right. What do you do? So, but yeah, it's, anyway. it's generational projects and I don't think anyone's really. Yeah. Anyway, I, I had a really good time. has a guess for that. Yeah. 
Agreed. And again, I had a wonderful time staying home last night. Well, I mean, it also speaks to one last thing. And I'll, one last thing and I'll just drop yeah, it to is like, even in a state with like universal voter mail, which is probably about the easiest way you could possibly vote in like a democracy of our fashion. Sure. And we still only top out like 60% max when it comes to like voter participation. That says something about what people think about the political system here. Right. Yeah. There's just, there's no faith in it. And you, it was, it was funny watching, uh, a little bit of the results last night when like, you know, Davis and Salt Lake County votes came in and it was pretty uh, heavily skewed to uh, Becky Edwards. And then we get down to St. George and Richfield and more of rural Utah. And it just is a tidal wave in the opposite direction. And it's like, you know, you know, people like rural Utahns are never going to vote for somebody who voted for Biden. Well, she really regretted too, but like, yeah, the Southern rural vote, especially in like district two, was as like Hunter S. Thompson called it the thousand pound shit hammer. Like it just came yep. down and just, and just ended it. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was over unless Becky Edwards got literally every vote in Davis and Salt Lake County. It was never going to be close. No. Anyway, yeah. uh, I guess if there is any sort of silver lining to this, I hope it does kill Becky Edwards political career and she can fuck off to whatever she was doing before. I don't know. Uh, like rewatching her, dad lose bowl games or something father-in-law not dad Oh, that's right father-in-law anyway uh go kooks anyway uh before we start the hell lines i do want to like get some good news and like add a little pep to our steps so this isn't just another like doomsday greg and jordan episode which tends to be <laughs> the theme. what are you anytime, talking about we're raising sunshine get together <laughs> uh but a hearty and heartfelt congratulations to our friends at the Salt Lake Downtown Library. The uh, Salt Lake City Public Library Board unanimously voted to pass their version of a resolution, which gets them one step closer to union recognition. You can go back and listen to our uh, interview we we had where we sat down with some folks from the downtown library and talked about the process and things are moving in the right direction. So shout out to our uh, friend Ivy and the rest of the workers at the Salt Lake downtown public library. Uh, it seems like it's probably going to happen. Seems really exciting. And I know like there's still work to be done, but it's also like, this is a big step in the right direction. So congratulations. Hell Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, let it rip. Let it rip. Let's uh, let's get right into it. Hit the drop. Oh, hold on one second. It was really low. I'm so sorry. Oh my goodness. No more Trump. Oh. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Why is there an echo? Like, why does it sound like he's already in a prison cell? Well, because he like did in like a middle of like a rally or something, which is still amazing. So funny. It's just such a funny guy. Dude, did you see his latest riff where he's talking about like uh, Joe Biden? All he does is he just wants to go to the beach and sleep. Crooked Joe Biden's only campaign strategy is indicting me. That's all they can do. Keep indicting him on nonsense. Going on extended vacations and sleep, sleep, sleep. That's what he wants. He's sleep, 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 sleep. And he wants to go to the beach. <laughs> yeah, and sleep. no, that was an amazing little bit too. Especially like the he looks terrible in his swimsuit. Yeah. It's like just God. 
I just, I know that we, he just wants to be a catty bitch. He he just wants to be a, he wants to be like a queenie gay man from Chelsea. Yeah. He just wants to be like America's like Truman Capote. Like that's all he wants to be. hundred percent. One hundred percent. Breakfast at Tiffany's author, Donald J. Trump. Oh, honey, you wearing that to the beach? Oh, God. Joe Biden looks disgusting. Nipples protruding in front of Congress. All he does is sleep, sleep, sleep. All he does is sleep, sleep, sleep. All right, we got to play. That's got to be our outro. We got to play that on the way out. Uh, Anyway, um, headline number one. Let me let me clear my throat so I can get this right. Um, uh, Let me be queer. So from <laughs> it's good. So from Marka.com, Tucker Carlson interviewed con artist who claims he smoked crack and had sex with Barack Obama. Former Fox <laughs> News host Tucker Carlson teased an interview with Larry Sinclair on social media on Tuesday. In the clip from the recent interview, Sinclair recounts how in 1999 he gave Obama $250 for cocaine, which is so much money. For cocaine in 1999, which he snorted and Obama smoked before the two engaged in two separate sex encounters, one in the back of a limo and the second in a hotel room in Gurney, Illinois. Fucking Gurney, Illinois? Which, you know, I'm sure that Barack Obama put him in a gurney after they were done. (laughs) Really just blew blew out that bussy. What are the chances he just like half remembers some guy from 1999 and just thinks it's Barack Obama. Oh yeah. Larry Sinclair had a sex with a, with a black dude and like, uh, you know, like a black dude with like a, a deep voice and was like, I had sex with Barack Obama. That was him. It was, it wasn't just a random person from Illinois. It was him. Yeah. What do you think there's, I don't know. This is all, this is all very funny to me. No, what and it I, says to me is that Tucker Carlson's ratings are in the shitter. And like, this is what he's, abs- this, this is what he's reduced to. Dude, he's gone. He's officially on like the, the Milo Yiannopoulos trajectory. Yeah. It's like the, um, it, it's like, how, what's this, what's the bottom from here? Like, you're just like, he's going to bring on like people who are going to be like, mm, yeah, uh, Michelle Obama definitely a man you can see yeah, it right here absolutely yeah yeah it's gonna be you know like he's he's going down like the alex jones route at this point like, uh, like that's the that's the absolute like seller of a dude and it really just oh, just shit, shows you, that like tucker carlson again. was just a placeholder in that like fox news lineup where it really did not matter who was in it just you know terrible it's so funny though and especially because isn't a show uh it, it just streams on Twitter, yes. Yeah, but isn't it called After Dark? No, it's Tucker on X. Oh, Tucker on X. <laughs> Which just sounds Which like... Which actually sounds like a gay sex act. Yeah, it sounds like Tucker is like a college sophomore. Like, yeah, like Tucker on X is like the 2023 version of Al Pacino's Cruising. Hey, uh, make sure you drink some water. Tucker's on X, okay? <laughs> yeah. Can we get him in like a safe space? You know, like maybe give him a light show or something. Hey, make sure he doesn't overheat, okay? It's important. Yeah. yeah. You know what? Can you just make sure no more alcohol for the rest of the night? We're just going straight water with him. It can be sparkling. LaCroix's fine, but like 
we got to keep him hydrated because because he's on uh, X. Okay, he's on he's on he did a little too much, and we're not God. sure where this batch came, and it's probably cut with something. And anyway, really bad. Um, anyway, congratulations to the uh, you know bisexual icon and uh, first queer president in Barack Obama. Yes. All right, let's uh, let's move on. That was fun. Um, <laughs> hell line number two, pride cometh before the fall. That's one I'm actually proud of. That's pretty so good. From the, from the New York Times, Enrique Terrio, the former leader of the Proud Boys, was sentenced on Tuesday to 22 years in prison for the central role he played in organizing a gang of his pro-Trump followers to attack the Capitol on January 6, 2021, and stop the peaceful transfer of presidential power. Mr. Terrio's sentence, stemming from his conviction this spring on charges of seditious conspiracy, was the most severe penalty handed down so far to any of the more than 1,100 people charged in connection with the Capitol attack and was likely to remain that way, given that no other defendants currently face accusations as serious as the ones he did. I've seen a lot of like posts from like conservative Twitter now that he's like, he wasn't even there. It's like, well, yeah, that's what conspiracy is. Yeah. You don't commit the crime. You helped carry it out. And can I just, can I just go on record here? Just real quick, Jordan. It is the official policy of me, and I think I, I speak for my my two colleagues on this podcast, that we are very pro-prison abolition. Prisons are bad. Yeah. And I understand that, like, these are the types of things that will eventually come to, you know, as, as precedent for the left, and uh, there's, no, there's no real other way. But... However, you got to give this, you got to give this to me just once. Okay. You got to let me enjoy this. Okay. I I mean, all we have in this country right now is schadenfreude. We already talked about it with Becky Edwards living or eating shit. And this is just, you know, this is another just, just cherry on top of a Sunday and mm, I'm going to enjoy it. It's it's fun. Jeff Tiedrich, uh, live Moss yeah. moment. Like it's, it's We're great. We're all libs in this moment. Again, yeah, like, exactly. like we said, like we said with the Donald Trump mugshot, we're not shaming the Tiedrichs of the world. In fact, in this moment, we all get to be Jeff Tiedrich and just enjoy being resistance libs but, because it's really funny that a proud boy is going to be sitting in prison for life. By like staging the absolute dumbest civil war. He said in his like uh, statement to the court and all that, he was like, please don't take away my 40s from me. Right. Which is, that makes me laugh. <laughs> he also liked to point out his uh, history of assisting law enforcement. Awesome. Which, um, Mr. Hill, do you know what a rat is? <laughs> it's such a great moment. So, so funny. It's very, very funny. And, uh, <laughs> Every time one of these shitheads go down, it's a good day. No, oh, absolutely. So, uh, official Brigham Young money policy. We're tapping the sign once again. Sucks to suck. You fucking loser. Boom. All right. Hell line number three. More like COVID-19 million ways to scam the public. 
So from the Salt Lake Tribune, SEC finds Utah company over misleading COVID-19 test claims, not disclosing payments to executives relatives. A Salt Lake Lake City based company uh, that provided that is uh, based in Salt Lake City, not a based company out of Salt Lake. Let me just clarify a Salt Lake City based company uh, that provided Utah with COVID-19 tests in connection with a large no bid contract during the pandemic was fined by the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. Wednesday, in part because of how it promoted its tests to investors and other others early in the crisis. The SEC has ordered co-diagnostics, which develops and sells disease testing technology, to pay a civil penalty of $250,000 and to cease and desist its violations of federal law, including misleading investors and failing to disclose hefty payments to top executives' relatives. It's the perfect Utah crime. I honestly think like the entire like COVID-19 period, especially early on, was probably about the most prime opportunity to commit fraud in this country ever. Yeah. Abs- I mean, shock doctrine, right? I'm not just like shock doctrine, just the fact like there was such like a such need. a window of opportunity. Yes. I mean, and I, such and well, and such panic where it was like this, what we're going through is completely unprecedented. We don't have answers. Thousands of people are dying a day and we are grasping at straws to try to find something. Yeah. They can make the numbers go down. Yeah. And it was like testing and it was like, it's the same thing like economically too with the, sure. with the PPP loans. Like that was the thing that like, we got to keep everything afloat. Yeah. If we don't, everything's going to fall apart. So we're just going to give money to literally everybody who asks for it. We really are living in the golden age of fraud. Oh, absolutely. Because I'm, like, I, it, I think you just read it. And I'm reading it right now, but uh, the Ben McKenzie, Jacob Silverman book, Easy Money, all it's about such a crypto. Good book. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm it's like, a, just, dude. A lot of it, I will say that some of it is over my head, and I just like I'm not financially literate enough to understand it. But what I do understand, it's just like it really is just a Ponzi scheme, all oh, the way up. It's and so much of it is just made up out of thin air just absolute bullshit like the three trillion dollar uh estimate of the crypto market which ended up just being total and complete bullshit anyway i digress back to shitty utah company that defrauded people oh yeah I mean, I don't really have a whole lot to say about that, except for just like these people just like came up with like, and this was just the same sort of company along with like Test Utah that were like, mm-hmm. like saying we could do the quick test. And honestly, mm-hmm. they, they were taking longer times to actually get test results back than any other company to do it. And they were yeah. usually inaccurate. So it's like you were just graphed all along, weren't you? Yeah, that's it was a, it was a grift up and down completely. And I'm sure it was good while it lasted, but again, sucks to suck. Sucks to suck. Yeah, fuck you. Um, and hell line number four, quite frankly, a horrible crime. Uh, from NPR, Ruby Frank, the family vlogger behind the now defunct YouTube Channel 8 Passengers, 
has been formally charged with six counts of felony child abuse by a Washington County attorney in Utah, court's document shows. Uh, Frankie or Frank and her business partner, Jody Hildebrandt, were arrested last week after Frank's 12-year-old son climbed out of a window and ran to a neighbor's house asking for food and water. The neighbor, noticing duct tape around the child's ankles and wrists, called the police. The responding officer said the child appeared severely malnourished and had sustained deep lacerations from being tied up with the rope. Uh, Frank's Frankie or Frank rose to national fame with the launch for YouTube channel in 2015 at its peak eight passengers attracted nearly 2.3 million subscribers who followed along as Frank documented her life as a mother of six children and a wife to her husband, Kevin. In recent weeks, Frank has been collaborating with Hildebrandt on Connections, that's Connections with an X, uh, a mental health counseling service that also faced criticism for its parenting advice, including shame-based learning and shunning those who don't share your values. And we really need to have a conversation about how Utah culture and way of life lends itself to this kind of like manipulative thinking. I think what I kind of gleamed off from the story and all that too. And I, I think it kind of falls into like a few things too. Like, first of all, like the desire of like traditionalists to like, to monetize their children is something I'll never quite it's, understand. It's so, it's so gross, dude. And, and and this comes right off the head of like uh Connor Boyack using that one kid who had like the Gadsden flag patch on his backpack too, just fucking using and abusing him the entire time too. So he'll be stuck with that for his entire life because right. like there is a conservative need to control their children. Yeah. It, it really is to the point where it's like, you're you're either, especially if you were like a young woman, you are the property of your parents until you are the property of your husband. Yeah, and I mean, I think you can say that for pretty much any children too. Like, especially yeah. like, I mean, we saw the thing with like Elon Musk today too about why right. his like he supposedly bought Twitter. It was like, well, my 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 trans daughter was infected by like the woke mind virus or whatever. Which is standard stuff along with everything else, too. It's just, it's just also incredible cope. Oh, absolutely. Like, it's just, it, it's terrible, but like, it is just like control stuff, too. Like, it's control, but also like maybe we can make some money off of it as well, which makes it, I don't know if it makes it worse, but it makes it dirtier, I think. Yeah. Like, because this whole thing, too, is like, because there's a story, too, about sending one of their oldest kids to one of those, like, desert survival camps in, like, southern Utah and everything. Um, and the amount of, like, stories that have come out of this one, too, from, like, neighbors and all this was, like, we call the cops and DCFS so many times on this family, and it just barely took hold now. Like, it's it's tragic, really. And I, it's really, really sad. Yeah. Like, I mean... Because no matter what, like, yeah, these like this Ruby Frank's going to get her due rewards for what she's done to her kids and all that, too. But it doesn't stop the trauma to the kids. Like they're they're stuck with it. Yeah, it's uh, it's just exceptionally sad. And I'm still like scratching my head about like, was she like, what was she doing with these children, like duct taping their ankles and wrists? That's just it's insane. Yeah, it's just it, it's just abuse at its most basic form. I mean, yeah. 
it's control and it's harm. Yeah. Like that's it. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, I don't know. That's a whole section of mental illness that is just completely foreign to me. Yeah. And just the fact that you put kids like making a money off of your kid. kids. Yeah. Just making a buck off of them too, because you throw them on camera as much as you do. Like that's, that's just evil. Yeah. Just exploitative and, and gross in any way. Um, and then selling that shit to other parents too. as like a, as yeah. like a how to manual. It's like that. I can't think of anything more gross and cynical. And honestly, as we said before, prison, prison abolition is a way to go, but I kind of want to see these people in the cell for a while. Yeah. Uh, I hope that she gets to be cellmates with uh, Enrique Terrio. Sounds great. <laughs> I would hope not, but you know, Moving on. Moving on. Let's talk about something a little more hopeful, right? How about the future? Uh, the future of our the great future city. Our great Salt state. Lake City. You know, a place with plentiful water and the clean air that every Unlimited major, resources. Unlimited resources. Not bad traffic. Houses that cost less than 2000 a month. <laughs> You know, stuff like that. Anyway, New York Times decided to uh, bring a little attention to our uh, nice corner of the country and um, talking about growth. Here we go. An evolving Salt Lake City hopes to be just like Austin. No. Which is a sentence that doesn't bring just dread and anxiety to me. Shedding its stodgy image, the city has become a destination for startups looking for cheaper space and younger workers on the hunt for roomier housing. Good luck with that. And this is by Miranda Spivak from the New York Times. This is Ryan Smith's fault. It's all Ryan Smith's fault. Uh, when Dino Fusco began traveling to Salt Lake City in the early 2000s for Not Golden a real name. Doesn't sound like one. For Goldman Sachs real estate arm, the odds of finding a coffee shop or brew pub were essentially zero. No, it wasn't. Shut up. <laughs> Fuck I off. About, yeah, I read that the first line too. It's like, what are you talking about? Like, oh, coffee arrived in 2010. Before that, we yeah. weren't allowed. It's like, what yeah, are you talking I, I was about? I was 25 years old when I was in, in in 2010, and it was very easy for me to drink my face off. Anyway, I'm already yeah. I'm already bothered by this article and the booze stupid, and coffee nowhere to be found stupid got fucking it. moving got on this, it's always the same tropes every fucking time the influence had, of the generally conservative mormon community over state politics and social issues made alcohol and caffeine scarce it did not make caffeine scarce there is still there were soda shops in 2010 what are you talking about you could not pry like a diet coke out of like most mormon housewives hands like what are you talking about Dog, there is a maverick or 7-Eleven on every single block in this godforsaken city that are stuffed to the gills with, with energy drinks. With what energy drinks, talking coffee, about? Diet Cokes, Mountain Dews. Like those were all. There was a coffee shop. I worked downtown in 2010. I could not walk two blocks without a bar. You're like running into a bar or a coffee shop. Shut the fuck up. But in 2002, Utah began to plant the seeds of nearly two decades of economic and cultural change, no more evident than in Salt Lake City, the capital. 
The state is still reliably red. Members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints fill the legislature. But Salt Lake City has evolved into a center for tech, bioscience, and financial firms, attracting a stream of workers who fill the new bars, cafes, festivals, and art fairs. All those things we never had before. <sighs> Quote, Salt Lake City is a really nice alternative, said Mr. Fusco, now the chief operating officer of Silverstein, Silverstein Properties, a developer investing in real estate projects in the city. Oh, that is... This is going to make me manic. Folks, uh, all the locals listening out there, this is probably one of the people that make sure that you will never be able to afford a home. Yeah. The <laughs> Goldman Sachs real estate branch. Thumbs up. The people who are the reason uh, your 401k completely evaporated in 2008. Anyway, they're in charge of the city now. Yeah, they've been in charge of the city for a while now. I mean, oh, they're just they're just changing out who they were too. Because like before, it was like um, what's his name, Deloy Hanson, and people like that. But now you're just like having like heavy hitters like BlackRock and like Goldman Sachs just do it too. Yeah, it's just the DeVos family in different iterations. That's terrific. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, Utah right. is still relatively small with only 3.4 million residents, but it's still the fastest growing state and has one of the lowest unemployment rates. Steady job growth, a stable economy, and an influx of newcomers have helped instill a more modern vibe in the capital. They have also spurred substantial commercial and residential development, including luxury high-rises and upscale hotels. Just an entire city that is... Nothing but a condoplex that nobody can afford now. We are just like Austin, but we are seven or eight years behind, said Brandon Blazer. The Fuck you. Of- Give me a barbecue restaurant then. What is this like American gladiators ass name this guy has? Let's uh, hear it. The founder of BCG Holdings, a local developer. Brandon Blazer. Oh, Brandon Blazer. That's a good one. I like the uh, the alliteration's nice. It's kind of nice. I'll, I'll give I'll give you that. Yeah. god uh but tensions remain in the state where 90 percent of the population identifies as white and many are politically conservative which is add to strains in the black and hispanic communities and rising housing prices and rents have priced lower income residents out of the market and contribute to a rise in homelessness so how was that good yeah i i'm yeah that's that's bad that's a bad thing, especially like with the, the way that you the, the, in that in that context, it sounds like it's like racially motivated. I mean, it, it's weird to have that in the same paragraph, but also at the same point too, like having that like next and next with like, um, actually, we're growing to be the next great big metropolis, you know, and like then also the next thing that was like, oh, yeah, also, by the way, um, class and racial tension still exists. But, you know, um, it's right. still good. And if you're, you know, you're poor or brown, good luck finding a house within city limits. Well, probably better in city limits than outside city limits in Salt Lake or in Utah yeah. in general. Good call. <laughs> uh, for many Utahns, uh, no to the New York Times, if you're listening, uh, it's. Utah NS, not ANS. Come on, get it right. Yeah, I hate that spelling. I, I, I hate Utahns in general. Like, Utah, like, I don't know what it should be, but it shouldn't be Utahns. Utonians. 
Sure, that works better. <laughs> yeah, the let's 2002 go. Winter Olympics were a major catalyst for change. With the Olympics came a new light rail in Salt Lake City, followed by a train network connecting Ogden, Salt Lake City, and Provo, cities with thousands of college students. Yeah, that's that's what we were going to pin our hat on is the the walkability and the public transportation in good old Salt Lake City. Liquor laws have eased as part of the effort to lure the Olympics. Today, Erin Mendenhall, Salt Lake's third female mayor, promotes the city's breweries at the top of her recorded welcome messages at the airport, itself undergoing a $4.1 billion remake. <laughs> the, the airport is nice. I'll give them that. It is nice. Yeah. But yeah. It's as long as you're not like in the, the B terminal. It's weird to see like the mayor's message like every other like 30 seconds. He was like, welcome to Salt Lake. Did you know we also have beer here you should check it out she has like a really weird monotone voice i don't necessarily think that's good for announcements like that but you know more power to her i guess yeah it's all it all comes off very try hard Uh, with with the growth in our tech's market many people are able to stay here and get good high-paying jobs said eric smith a senior vice president of the real estate firm cbre they're only talking to developers yeah that's the crazy thing about this. Like, yeah, we're doing fucking fantastic, says all the people who are just essentially just like tearing the heart out of this city. Right. You, too, can move to Utah and work for Skynet. <laughs> Utah also benefited from changes in working habits brought on by the pandemic. Salt Lake City became a destination for digital nomads on the hunt for cheaper and roomier housing. What the fuck are you talking about? Because it sure as shit isn't cheaper or roomier. Yeah, have you you can't get an apartment in downtown for under $2000 no. a month. No, you you're if you're looking for an apartment, you're probably going to end up in like Bountiful. Yeah. Utah fit their needs not only because of its smaller population but because of the proximity of outdoor activities like skiing, hiking and camping. Those are all fairly far away from downtown Salt Lake and like I always love like it's like oh if you want to get out on a Saturday night, we got lots of skiing and hiking. It's like, that's not what people want on Saturday night. Yeah. Either way, I digress because there is some of those things nearby, but from downtown Salt Lake, come on. Yeah. Come on, buddy. The pandemic impacted markets in very different ways, said Matt Schwartz, a co-chief executive of the domain companies, a developer based in New York. <laughs> just just all development developers. Out-of-state developers. Well, you know, it, it makes sense because they are the ones who actually run every aspect of the city right. at this point. So, I mean, like, who else would you talk to at a certain point? It's like, well, you know. <sighs> when you really see who are the pillars of power, it's a pretty uh, – It's stark. Guy, the, it's it's really stark. I but don't I mean, want like, – I don't know. But seeing all these, it's like going back in time to, like, medieval ages and, like – Trying to figure out what serfdom was like by asking nothing but the feudal lords. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're we 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 interviewed a half a dozen feudal lords about how things are going for them. Don't know what you're talking about. Life is pretty fucking sweet. Yeah, we're doing awesome. Jennifer Davidson, a Brooklyn transplant, moved to Salt Lake City in October 2020 after a visit to a friend here showed her how much she valued the outdoors. Quote, it really is hard to have a bad day when you can drive 20 minutes and be the mountains, she said. Yeah, fuck you. You're the reason I can't find a parking spot on the weekends anymore. <laughs> uh, uh, Miss Davidson manages operations at The Shop, a co-working space that is part of a $130 million downtown complex known as The Exchange. 
Domain's first project in the city. Domain is also developing a $320 million project nearby. And Mr. Schwartz says he hopes to develop other projects in the city. So this lady just like runs a WeWork, but like a part of like a development. That's awesome. 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 We we work worked out great. It sure did. <laughs> God, this is really bleak. This is so fantastic. I love this article so much. Several blocks west, Mr. Blazer and Alex Lowe, a principal at Lowe Property Group, are developing the Post District, a $300 million project in the former industrial neighborhood. The By project- the way, these are, all the, these are all the same people who are maxing out donations to Aaron Mendenhall right now. Oh, yeah. I started doing a list of like all the people who are maxing you out of it. And like 90% of the people who are maxing out to Aaron Mendenhall were all developers. Yeah, like, it's just yeah, it's like Alpha Development LLC based out of like Chicago. Yeah, it's like a bunch of ones are like out of like San Diego or Chicago or like they're all over the place. A lot of them are not from the city. A lot of them are in the city, but you can definitely tell what they're trying to do. Yeah, we can get, you know, when the when the Beehive neighborhood hood becomes a thing. Once they demolish the ballpark. Yeah, once they demolish our century old you know, You know has- Brandon Blazer is going to be getting, you know, he'll be on his yacht somewhere outside of Mykonos. Brandon Blazer and Alex Lowe are going to be walking out of like some sort of like gaudy monstrosity, eating like avocado toast and drinking yeah. whatever. And, and that's when we know we've won. Yeah. The best city of all. Mm-mm-mm. Anyway, the project includes apartments, restaurants, and a newspaper printing site that they are repurposing for Traeger Grills, which will move its headquarters from elsewhere in the city. Great. <sighs> Goldman Sachs also recognized the demand in Salt Lake City. The firm occupies about 350 square feet in the city center and is hoping to finance projects such as the Exchange and a project being developed by the Granary District, a former industrial area. It says so much about Salt Lake City and Utah in general is that all of our major like development projects are just where industry used to be. Right. Yeah. It's all just repurposed from like warehouses and factories and old and and this is where we used to have jobs and things we made. I mean, it's the same shit that happened in Pittsburgh. Oh yeah. I mean, it's the same thing that's happened in every metropolitan area too. We just yeah, it's, strip uh, out any of the like actual like industry inside these areas too, and then just like leave it bare. And it's not just the thing that's so disheartening for me is it's not just like stripping out the actual like structures. No, it's also stripping out everything that made Salt Lake so wonderful. Yeah, I've lived in Salt Lake. My entire life, full time as an adult for 20 years. There is a reason I've chosen to live here. I love it here for a lot of the reasons why they talk about the proximity to the out the outdoors. It's a clean. It's a nice city. Uh, my family, my friends are here. But watching these fucking vultures come in and build the most bland, basic, boring bullshit. <laughs> While stripping away all the eccentricities and all of the uh, eclecticness and and all of the the culture and the soul of Salt Lake City is one of the most depressing things I've ever lived through. Yeah, and it honestly, like breaks my heart. And honestly, this like. Brandon Blazer guy is right. In seven, eight years, it will be awesome because just like Austin, they're going to have extracted all the charm that made Austin interesting and unique. 
Right. Which is now, yeah, yeah, that's why now Austin is just like a fucking husk of itself. Yeah. And it's, it's the same thing that happened in the Bay. Like we're watching Salt Lake commit all of the same crimes against its people and its city as we saw the Bay Area did during the dot com era. It's the exact same formula. All in the service of just like real estate and tech ghouls who will take all their take all the wealth out of it. And then once there's nothing left, they just cash out and move on to somewhere else. Right. Because that's why they yeah. yeah. And that's why they moved on from the Bay Area. That's why they moved on from other major metropolitan areas. They're they're like the aliens from Independence Day. Right. They go into a place, destroy it, suck up all the resources, and then move on to the next one. And then leave. Yeah. So instead of getting wonderful places that I made incredible memories at places like the tabernacle and in the venue and uh, blue plate diner, for example. Now we just get garbage condos that won't even be there in 30 years. In fact, I just found out that my dad's old office and my childhood home is going to be bulldozed next year. That's awesome for uh a another high-rise luxury condo so we're just uh, it's just you're just you're just you're just strip mining an entire town and everything along with it every single time i think about redevelopment in the city i think about how the old primary children's hospital is now like multi-million dollar condos yeah that's like very close to my uh that's right in my neighborhood. That's not far from we, me at all. And it is very depressing. <laughs> I mean, it's just more than just being depressing, too. Like, I don't know how many lies you have to tell to get people to live inside of an old children's hospital. Yeah. That before it was a children's hospital, it was a veteran sanitarium. Right. Sure. Why not? Let's just, uh, that sounds awesome. Anyway, <laughs> back to the article. Uh, Goldman Sachs also recognized demand in Salt Lake City. The firm occupies, and I already read that part. Being downtown Salt Lake City for us has been really deli- has been really deliberate, said Jill Boris, the head of Goldman's office here. The bank yeah. employees, she said, like to walk to work, use transit, and enjoy downtown restaurants and nightlife. And any of the poor people who like to do those same things too, fuck you. Because you don't get that opportunity anymore. Yeah. The city's inclusive environment is also attractive, she said, adding that if 250 Golden employees had participated in the annual Utah Pride Parade in, Dr- in June. <laughs> they actually did the Re- Goldman Sachs Pride flag float. <laughs> <laughs> they really did it. Oh, my God. Can this, can this please, please, please be the death of identity politics? Oh my goodness, we love rainbow <laughs> capitalism. You know, oh my god, the, the peak the peak of modern liberalism is a bank that foreclosed on your house, but also flies a pride flag. Right. Oh my god, that oh. is. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus oh. Christ! What a stupid fucking world we live in. Not far from Goldman's downtown offices are the Central Public Library with soaring lines designed by Softy Architects, a public safety building for the police and fire departments, both near City Hall. Filled with all the people you displaced. Nearby are an upscale shopping mall, an office, and residential towers built by the development arm of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Oh, my goodness. Where you can get, instead of, you know, like... A wonderful breakfast at Blue Plate and something. You can get a fucking twenty-two dollar 
chicken sandwich. <laughs> you can you can go to Tiffany's and buy a necklace and not think about how everything around you is owned by a church. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, the church is a major player in real estate and is estimated to be the nation's fifth largest landowner, according to data released in 2020 by Truth and Transparency. Which Tax sucks, free, baby. Sought to measure the church's real estate holdings and investments. The group estimated that the church owned one fourth of the acreage and buildings downtown. Is that supposed to make oh. us feel good? That just makes me have a pit in my stomach, but I, mean, oh. I guess that's nice too. The church is in the midst of a multi-year remake of Temple Square, a 10-acre complex that is home to its worldwide headquarters, as well as the six-spiraled Salt Lake Temple and the Dome Tabernacle, which sit on the Verdant, well-manicured grounds, offering a respite from miles of concrete. A church spokesman declined to disclose the cost or discuss other development plans. Yeah, they don't, they don't talk about that very much. Yeah, well, and they don't need to. The it's fuck, we're going to do whatever we want. Fuck yeah, you. Exactly. What are you talking about? We, we can we run this place. The complex is a focal point of the, in the city center, but within within a short walk are bioscience companies, financial firms, and smaller tech companies. Elizabeth Converse, the executive director of Utah Tech Leads, an industry trade group, estimates that 900 tech firms are in the city. Great. <sighs> Ugh. All this is just like making me just feel like I have like a fever or something. Like that's a good feeling. One of them is Recursion, a bioscience company that uses artificial intelligence and robots to discover new medications. Chris Gibson started Recursion in this tiny space at the University of Utah, but now occupies a building that formerly housed a Dick's Sporting Goods store. Expanding in the city was a no-brainer. He said, "Oh, so that's what's in the old Dick's Sporting Goods store because yeah. you still see the rock tower, the the." climbing yep. rock and all that which i think they probably just repurpose that now that's like part of the recruiting status like hey we're the cool company that has ping pong tables and a climbing wall we have beanbag chairs everywhere so you can sit down and uh, illuminate about the future yeah yeah you know, like and that. after and after you're done at the rock climbing wall well we built crying pods <laughs> You're not allowed Where a lunch nobody break. Nobody can hear you sob. You're not allowed a lunch break. Anyway, here's a Soylent. Get back to work. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we wanted to be a little closer to this energy of downtown, which is on the rise, said Mr. Gibson, who is also trying to seed other bioscience companies. He helped found Altitude Lab, a tech incubator, and Biohive, a consortium encouraging collaboration among health, tech, and science God. companies. Biohive sounds like the name of the company. Like, Every company that advertises on Twitter now. <laughs> Dick don't work. Biohive. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Shandana Haig, a molecular biologist from San Francisco, said Mr. Gibson had persuaded her to come to Utah to help to head up Altitude Lab. The incubator has launched 17 companies since it opened in 2020, including several started by women and people of color. Starts up at Altitude have each attracted about $7 million in venture capital. Big investors, Ms. Haig, said, have their eyes on Utah. Ugh. We don't have any water. And like, how long is this venture capital going to last if we keep cranking up interest rates too? Like, right. All of this is like a great idea. It's like, oh, this is the next tech sector too. I mean, but that's I mean, that's the big thing that this article isn't talking about at all. Is that like all of these tech companies that they keep boasting about? The high majority of them just had major, major layoffs. Like, Plural Site just laid off like what 
a like, quarter of their staff. Qualtrics laid off a bunch of their staff. Domo laid off a bunch of their staff. Adobe laid off a bunch of their staff. Like the list goes. Podium is another one. But I mean, I mean, that's the thing that's unsaid in all this article too, is that we can talk about how much like the city's on the grow and cities on the rise and all that too. But it doesn't talk about the fact that like all these companies are over leveraged to hell. All the right. venture capital is starting to run out because people are like, eh, I don't think I want to really invest right now, especially if, if you know, the cheap credit we were lending out five, six years ago is just not there anymore. Mm-hmm. And like on top of that, too, like that doesn't even talk about like the actual like physical limitations of the location we're at, too. Like we talked about this at the beginning of the article, too. It was like we don't have fucking water. We don't have our air is getting worse. And like as water disappears, especially from the lake, it's just going to keep getting worse. Like we can't sustain like this level of growth that these like real estate people think that we can. Like at yeah, a certain it's, point, it's going to fall apart. Again, I've said this. Uh, I've, I've, I've lost count of the number of times I've said this on this podcast, but you cannot have unlimited growth in a place with extremely limited resources. No, you can't. And I mean, you want to talk about what the city's going to look like in seven, eight years. I hope it's fucking populated in seven, eight years. I I hope it's habitable. Yeah. Uh, also seeding tech startups are Kimi and Sergio Polish, who founded Betaboom. That sounds awful. Which an- funds an- under- another Twitter advertiser for sure. <laughs> Testosterone low, Betaboom. <laughs> yes. Which funds underrepresented tech entrepreneurs who lack easy access to capital. Like all of this just feels like stuff that like trash future would talk about. Like this is very, all, very scammy. Yeah, this is all just a one big trash future. God, thing. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna send this this article to Riley. Like many He's other gotta recent, read this shit. Oh, it's horrible. Like many other recent arrivals, Miss Pollock uh, said she wanted to be part of an evolving city, but was also acutely aware that growth has raised housing prices. Sure Tight. has. Uh, we should all be thinking about the ways to bring to bring all of the population along. She said, "Well, you're not going to do that with real estate commoditized, so you know, just you know, let you know." In the past five years, housing prices in Utah have more than doubled, according to a study by the Kem C. Gardner Policy Institute at the University of Utah. Can I just say one thing? I think it's really funny that all these studies on housing prices is by a policy institute named after a developer. That sucks. <laughs> that sucks a lot. Uh, the median price is $534,000, according to an analysis by Redfin, a real estate firm, well above the 320000 median in 2019. State data also shows an increase in the homeless population. Fantastic. Even, uh, even better. But don't worry, though. We also I love don't that this keep... is all stuff that's just like thrown into this article, just like glossed over. It's, it's such like an avant-garde like art piece to realize like the city's on the rise. Also, no one can afford housing and the homeless people are on the rise. It's like it's like it's just like A and B. Like, you know, it's it, it's it feels like a pharmaceutical commercial, too. It's like now think thanks to the fact that I take Lufthansa Vin. I feel great every day. And then like the voice comes into it too. It's like, make all sudden death. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, yeah. You get the, you get the, like the deep voice guy talking about all of the side effects. Yeah. The deep voice fast guy too is like, may cause leaky anus. It's like, yeah. Yes, it's like little exactly. things like that. God. The, the mayor. 
This is this is what happened to the guy on the plane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he took Lutfanzik and it uh, did not work out well for him. He was on the loose He shitted part. out his doo-doo ass. I, I, I just have to take a moment and say that is probably one of my biggest fears on ever. Oh God. Oh God. Not only I would commit seppuku <laughs> on the plane. Let's think about this for one second. Not only did you shit your pants. You did it in a public area on a plane at 35,000 feet, two hours into a transatlantic flight that had to turn around because of it. God, you just ruined, you ruined the, the, the vacations of how many people you're trying to pull that emergency exit handle. Like, you're just oh yeah you, you gotta go for that like life yeah, you're is not wait, worth- you're waiting for bane to tell you to stay among the wreckage you're just asking the air marshal can you just take me out in cuffs man like i don't know yeah. i didn't do anything wrong but can you just act like i'm in, arrested so that you can take me out first yeah like i don't just- or just like find the air marshal on the plane and just baggy puts one right in between your eyes <laughs> just exiting the plane as everyone just stares at you <laughs> oh my god Oh. That's that's like that's like even beyond a curb episode. Anyway, let's uh, uh let's, let's get back to this one. Uh, the mayor's administration is working on a proposal to protect affordable housing and create incentives for developers. She sure is. Yeah, she did it. She you know did it dollar, for her dollar her husband bill, y'all. Or is it just? And by that, is that just like another raise for the police department? Also that too, because I mean they yeah protect of course housing value they, they protect such. capital they sure do <laughs> this state unlike many others does not require developers to include affordable housing in their projects for now mayor menhall said growth is the best tool for us to work with think on that one for a second <sighs> homeless population is going up growth is the best tool for us to work with Anyway, yeah, like 90% of the people who max out to her developers, just to, you know, restate that one really quick for you, just to let that sit just with you. Uh, Despite the challenges raised by growth, Angela H. Brown, the executive editor of Slug Magazine, which stands for Salt Lake Underground, said the city has been shedding its dodgy image. In the past, you had to look really hard to find the underground, the arts, the music, said Ms. Brown, who is also the executive director of Craft Lake City, which organizes art festivals in the city. But you do not have to go outside of the state to find incredible talent, she adds. It is right here. That's the end of the article. Great. Also, I just want to say, like, once you bring in the tech sector and real estate schools and finance bros and all that, too, it's like you don't have an underground. That's what kills the underground. I mean, that's the thing that's like that there's so much cognitive dissonance in the way that that article is uh, is is culminated where it's like the whole article is about this influx of new people. Right. And how Salt Lake is on the rise and it's the new Austin, Texas. And like, it's this great place with this great economy and everybody wants to move here, you know, and people from all over the country have their, uh, their hands in the cookie jar. And Oh, by the way, we have a lot of homegrown talent. Yeah. That's just like, it doesn't make any sense to me. It sounds to me like, hey, we have a whole lot of homegrown talent like I was talking about and a lot of like wonderful places that made this that, that made 
Salt Lake, although stodgy, like if you're if you're a local, you know where the good shit is, and all of that's being replaced now. Yeah, like it, we're just gonna like replace out any sort of like charm and any good restaurants we had. Like, oh well, you know it's gone now, but at least we have a Nobu, so you know at least we're yeah. doing good. Dude, the number one example that comes to my mind is Maza going out of business, and now we have a fry, fried chicken restaurant called the Crack Shack. <sighs> Which uh, yeah. we can have the discussion of the name the Crack Shack for a fried chicken restaurant uh, another day, but God, if that is not like a perfect representation, one of the best like authentic restaurants in the entire city getting replaced by a fried chicken chain. Yeah, it's, in like it's, what is supposed to be the cool like artsy neighborhood in Ninth and Ninth. Yeah. I mean, that is the perfect representation of what is happening to the city. I mean, just look at this article too. Like they didn't talk to anyone who wasn't going to make money off. Like they didn't talk to any locals who weren't going to make money hand over fist on this. Right. Like they, they talked to people who are fully invested in just, just raising the city and rebuilding it in some sort of gaudy, re, gaudy image. Like, like that's all it is. <sighs> Remember when we said like we weren't gonna make a depressing episode again? Man. Man, we really uh screwed the pooch on that one. Yeah, anyway, uh go Salt Lake. Dun, 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 dun. At least we're gonna get the Olympics again, guys. Yeah, we're we're gonna get the Olympics again and then deep and then just uh you know displace more homeless people. Yeah, we're gonna ski on dirt. Like every other home Olympics has ever done. I do have to say though, like the, the amount that we deified like the Olympics in this in this city yeah. is kind of amazing too, just because like we got really lucky because it happened immediately after 9-11 and then we just got ungodly amounts of security money. Like that's the only reason like we broke even and actually made a profit on the Olympics, and like every other city goes like fifty to a hundred million to a billion in debt. Right. But oh well, well, we'll get it again because no other city wants them anymore because they've kind of wisened up to the act. Yeah. Well, this was fun. This was fun. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm so excited to have more uh, tech bros, uh, more real estate projects. Um, so many juice bars. Uh, more affordable housing projects by the city, which aren't really that affordable. Um uh, uh, city redevelopment agency that just funds money to developers to like, you know, pretend like they're doing something, but actually still just like keeps the cycle of commoditization of real estate going even further. Also, I love having developers having full regulatory capture inside of our city. You know, those are mm-hmm. all great things. Um, and this is, and, and another thing that I thought it was funny that they didn't mention, you know, they talked about the, you know, the conservative legislature, but another thing that they didn't mention was that like the very high majority of the Utah legislature are also developers or landlords or real estate attorneys. Yep. All of them. Like there's just, it, there's just this giant honeypot. And yeah. if you are in real estate, you have your hands in it. In some way. Again, if you Salt Lake is a really good place to make a hell of a lot of money if you don't have any morals. It sure is. And Which is, like if it's you, funny because it's always like propped up as this like bastion of faith in this like very conservative religious place. Yeah. 
I mean, it's a real, real contrast there. I, I, th- I think about this one too. Like if we were doing things in the city that were actually going to prolong its existence, especially for its local residents and all that too, every single person quoted in this article would be pissed off about it. Right. Like, like, like that's the thing too, is like, if you, we started doing things like building social housing or, or giving cash payments to homeless people so they can just go find a place to live and all that too. Like the things we know that actually fixes homelessness and actually fixes mm-hmm. real estate issues when it comes to like the poor and lower classes and all that, every single person here would be fucking livid. Right. But they're happy because they're the ones making the money and they're the ones yeah, that get the prosperity. Yeah. Everyone else can just go to hell. Yep. It is just, it's the perfect representation of the system in which we live, which is I'm getting mine. Fuck you. Yeah, pretty much. And it's, it's not just like I'm getting mine too. It's like I'm getting mine, but also it's to help, uh, serve underprivileged, uh, women and people of color who are also entrepreneurs to develop tech centers and you know the whole nine, like the, the Kamala Harris tax break. Yeah. to help open two businesses in underserved areas and yeah goodness gracious i forgot that clip that's amazing (sighs) anyway salt lake city is doing great folks um as long as you're a developer or a banker or you know we chose the wrong line of work dude we did yeah we can't even we can't even grift and get ppp loans (laughs) yeah that's because we uh Next pandemic. I don't think they're going to do that next pandemic. I, I, yeah, we may have we, lost We've our, already seen like every sort of like Republican governor. And all these like, we're never doing a mask mandate ever again. It's like, all right, yeah. man. First off, I knew that. Second off, you're kind of just like, just doing, you're saying this shit just to like, make sure like every sort of like angry MAGA grandpa is just like, like, you know, gets happy. He's like, that's right. Governor Cox stands up for me. Although it doesn't work because they all think Governor Cox is, you know, yeah, gay or something. So soy boy beta cuck. <laughs> He's a soy boy beta cuck with pronouns. Yeah. All right. Should we put a bow on this thing? Yeah, I think so. I've thoroughly depressed myself. So yeah, I think you're welcome, guys. Yeah, thank no you better for place listening. Than, yeah, you know, we want to thank our good friends at the New York Times for filling me with a great despair to last me probably into the weekend. Um, Hopefully Utah. We love existential dread. Hopefully Utah beats Baylor. I'm going to be stuck there for a while. So yeah, I think they will. Baylor's butt. Yeah. I mean, losing to Texas State is probably not the best start. No. All right. You're losing to the team from necessary roughness. (laughs) Yes. All right, folks. uh, Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Uh, We'll be back next week with a new episode. Uh, Subscribe to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Brigham Young Money. And we will see you later. Bye. Bye. Get a little rowdy. Thank God the field run dry. It's just a little bitty pissant country place. Nothing much to see. No drinking allowed. We get a nice squat crowd. Plain as it can be. It's just a bitty squat no time country place. Nothing too high tone. Just lots of goodwill and maybe one small thrill. But there's nothing dirty going on. Keep your language clean, girls. Keep your bedrooms neat. Town Cafe and say hi on the...
Street. Mind your